welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Let's just pray. Father, thank you that you're in this place this morning. Thank you that you loved us so much that you died for us. Thank you for giving us an opportunity just to come and worship you and appreciate you and say thank you for what you've done for us. And now, Lord, I just pray, Father, Lord, that you uh, take some of these words and some of these scriptures and stories that I share this morning and or remind us of how good you are to us and speak to us in whatever way you choose on this boxing day in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Um I'll not keep you too long. The time is ten forty one. So you can set your watches now. I'll be done in I'm not gonna say you know, that, that song, Mary, did you know, it's all about Jesus coming into the world. Um, it tells us that um, Jesus is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And he is the great I am. And uh, we know, I know I'm probably preaching to the converted this morning. That's okay. It's good to be reminded of how good Jesus is. He came into this world to, to heal and to save and to deliver, to, 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 to set us free. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 21, and she shall, let's talk about Mary, she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus, which means we know our Bibles. Turn to the guy that knows his Hebrew and Greek. Yeshua means Yahweh is salvation, yes, or Savior, that's right. So you'll call his name Jesus, Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. And um, we all need saving from our sins, yes? Of course we do. Trouble is, we sometimes don't know we need saving. Sometimes we don't know we need saving. We're saving from our sins. Sin means to uh, break God's law or transgress the, the, the law of God. It means to miss the mark or fail to live up to the standard of, of for righteousness and moral living. Uh, basically, uh, it is to disobey God. We disobey God by not obeying God. That's obvious. It means to rebel against God or to reject God. Uh, to put it another way, it is to live for self. And we all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you know your Bibles, you know Adam, the first man, he was the first man and he, and he sinned and we have inherited that defect. We've got a, a DNA fault running through the human race. We're all born with it. We are, we are sinners by nature. We are sinners not because we sin, Rather, we sin because we are sinners. We were born humanly with a condition. 
And those sins, whether it is a seemingly little white lie or whether it is murder or everything in between, it's still sin. We're all affected. Uh, we are born with this condition. And um, again, if we know our Bible, sin separates us from God. Now, for, for someone right out there in the world, that not might mean anything to them. They say, well, I don't even believe in God. That's not the issue, whether you believe or not. God created you. And if sin separates you from your creation, there's a problem. When you're separated from God, you're spiritually dead. There's part of you which is dead inside your tripart beating. That's for another being. That's for a, a, another day to explore that. But we are spiritually dead. So we do not merely need a guide or a teacher. We are spiritually and morally dead and need someone able to resurrect our spirit and transform our moral essence. We need someone to free us from this bent towards wickedness. And so Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, the free gift of God, and gifts brings us to Christmas. You know, Christmas is all about Jesus, and it's all about receiving the gift, and so we give gifts at Christmas time. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus came to save us. Romans 5 verse 12 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, about Adam, come down to verse 15 of Romans chapter 5, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of forgiveness to many through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And note the word grace, and this is what I want to talk about this morning, grace. That's the theme that we're preaching on at the moment. Uh, and a real uh, key verse of Scripture is Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, and I'm sure we all know it, and if you don't, it should be up on the screens. For by grace you have been saved <laughs> through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Grace, grace, not something you just say before meals. <laughs> not just a way of addressing some high-ranking dignitary, your grace. Not just walking gracefully. Okay, that's, that's a bad look. <laughs> look to the screens. Grace, not just a pretty name. Grace describes the undeserved kindness by which salvation is given. God's unmerited favor, or um, you might remember it from your, if you're as old as me, your, your uh, Sunday school days, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace. Have you heard of that before? Just checking how old I really am. 
Okay, everybody put their hand up. Must be over 60. <laughs> God's riches at Christ's expense, but the best definition that I like is grace is getting what you don't deserve. Bring what you don't deserve. Benign goodwill from God, the undeserved kindness by which salvation is given, unprovoked compassion, the unearnable gift, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. Now, I know most of us knows this, but I, I, you know, we, need, we need reminding. You did nothing in the matter. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't work for it. Salvation is not a reward for you being a good person and by doing good deeds. You see, you don't deserve grace. You don't deserve it. God's grace is, is unearned because it is unearnable. It's, it's part of the heart of God who He is. God gives His grace freely and fully to each of us. God only gives grace. It is never a wage. It's always a gift. And God never gives partial grace. In fact, there's no such thing as partial grace. It's always full and complete. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. I want to tell the story of three men that I knew, three men that uh, received grace. First there's Tommy. Tommy was a blind drunk. Tommy was a Belfast man, living in a typical worker's terraced house, hence the picture of old Belfast at the time. We're talking about the 50s. I told you I was old. And Tommy would go to the pub most nights and he played Irish reels on a button accordion as did my grandfather, only he used a violin, a fiddle. And when he'd had a few jars, um, he would start fighting. And one night Tommy got into a brawl at a pub and he was a loser. The result was he lost his eye in the fight. You think it would change him? It didn't change him. He still went down the pub. He still came home. One night, Tommy staggered home as usual. He made his way into his little house, those row houses, two up, two down. That's what they're called. Two rooms downstairs, two rooms upstairs. Stumbled into his bedroom and he tripped, lost his balance and fell because he was drunk. And as he fell... He hit his, hit his good eye on the bedpost. It's one of those old four-poster beds. And the result was that Tommy now is totally blind. And Tommy heard the gospel preached many times on the streets of Belfast. Now he's totally blind and broken. And in that state, state Tommy remembered the message. And he turned to Jesus in faith. He asked for forgiveness, 
promised to serve Jesus for the rest of his life. And the result was Tommy was a changed man. By grace, he was saved through faith in Jesus who died for him, who paid the penalty of his sin. Tommy now took his button accordion and he would take to the streets of Belfast and there he would sing and preach the good news of Jesus. And he used to come to our church in, in Ireland as a guest speaker. He would get up on the platform and he would get out the squeeze box. Someone would help him up onto the platform. And there, I always wondered, how did he read his Bible? He got saved when he was blind. But anyhow, he would stand up, play, preach passionately about his Savior. Tommy got what he did not deserve. Second story is a man called Billy. Billy was a hard-working Belfast man too. Also lived in one of those terraced houses near the shipworks. See, Billy used to work for the Belfast shipyards. That's where the Titanic was made. That's why it sank. <laughs> Built by Irish people, you know. Anyway, Billy worked hard, played hard, drank hard, gambled hard. He was a real hard Belfast man. All of his money went on booze and gambling. But he was enslaved to this destructive lifestyle, and it, and it took its toll on his family. Often there was no food for the wife and kids. Eventually his wife left him and took the kids with her. But a Christian man came and visited Billy. He was alone in the house. The family's gone. There's no carpet on the floor. There's no furniture. He was using what they called an old wooden tea chest. Some of you don't know what they are, but they used to pack the tea in tea chests. The tea chest was his table and a wooden crate he used as a chair. That was the furniture in that little room. He's got no job. He'd lost everything to drink and gambling. This Christian guy told Billy about his need for salvation told him that he was on a pathway to an eternity in hell, shared the Bible with him, pointed him to Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Our primary text for this morning. Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so Billy responded to this simple gospel message. He's got on his knees on that cold floor and he surrendered his life to Jesus. And the drink, the gambling, the hard man that he was, the foul mouth, it all disappeared. Billy was changed. Billy got a job and he got furniture back. And his wife and family came back to him, and Billy became a preacher of the gospel. And Billy also used to come to our church in Ireland. I can remember him sharing his story with his tears streaming down his face, overwhelmed with the, by the grace and the love of God, and how Jesus had touched him, and how he would plead for people, plead for people to give their lives to Jesus. Billy got what he did not deserve. He got saved. Billy received grace. Third story I want to tell you 
It was about Pastor Thomas. I only know him as Pastor P Thomas. Pastor Thomas was a Welsh coal miner. He lived in the, in the Welsh coal mining town, worked down the local pit, hard work, morning to night. My family on my father's side used to work in the pit. Lots of them over wheels at the time. Pastor Thomas had no time for Christians. He would mock them. He would ridicule them. He hated religion with a passion. His language was colorful. Um, he's not the sort of man that you'd want to pick a fight with. But Wales, if you know Wales, Wales has a history of revival. And in the 1940s, there were mission halls and there were open-air um, preaching that was common in Wales. And, and Pastor Thomas often heard the gospel story. And, and one day, he was arrested by the Holy Spirit. He was convicted of his sinful life. And he fell on his knees and he cried out for Jesus for forgiveness. That previous picture, by the way, is an actual open-air meeting taking place at a mine site. The guys, if they've come up from the pit or going down for the pit, they look too clean, they'd be coming up. Anyhow, Pastor Thomas got saved. He was changed instantly. And the other thing about Pastor Thomas was he was illiterate. But the Holy Spirit, God taught him how to read and to write from the Bible. Gave him a deep revelation of the Word. And he left the coal mines and became a pastor and a really, really good Bible teacher. A man with no education. And then he gave his life to the mission field and he went to what was then Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. And there he preached the gospel and taught. That was, he was a teacher. I first met him in our church in South Africa and got to sit under his ministry. Pastor Thomas got what he did not deserve. He received grace. But moving on a little bit as we wrap this up, grace is a force as well as a favor. It's a verb as well as a noun. And Pastor Scott had referred to John 1 verse 16, out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. And so if we look at grace, grace comes from the God's fullness. It's more than just His favor. It is God meeting us at our point of need in the person of Jesus Christ, including all of His power and His provision. Grace empowers us to live the Christian life. Grace brings us into freedom, that freedom to be able to obey God, not in a legalistic sense, but because our heart has been changed. His grace frees us from that wearying, self-generated endeavors and releases us to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. Grace 
is getting what you don't deserve. So how do you feel when grace is given to someone that you would not have offered grace to? That's the challenge for us as Christians. Well, he, he, he deserves to be punished. She deserves to lose her job. They broke the law. Now they must suffer the consequences. Do we think like that? I've got to check my heart honestly because I'm a sort of critical person. Got to keep my heart soft and let the grace of God flow in me. Look at what they did to me. Do I rejoice in the grace that I receive while I harbor resentment that others have also received the same? It's a challenge. How much of my life and conduct are characterized by grace? Is there a grace flowing in my life? One of the opposites of grace is unforgiveness. Include it with that bitterness, resentment. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment causes grace to leak out of your life like a bucket full of holes. Stories told of a marriage that disintegrated, wait for it, over a bar of soap. Again, it's all of these stories are set years ago. You'll know this by what I'm going to say. You see, it was the wife's job to look after the house and keep it in order. Isn't that right, Janet? I'm not being nasty. I do the housework in our house. She's on my case if it's wrong. But I refuse to do the ironing. Just can't get my head wrapped around that one. Anyhow. But in that day and age, it was the wife's job to keep house, keep it in order, including the provision of towels, toilet paper, and soap in the bathroom. One day, um, she forgot to replace the soap, an oversight that her husband mentioned in an exaggerated way. I've been bathing for almost a week without any soap. They had no showers in those days. She vigorously denied it. And although it turned out that indeed she had forgotten, her pride was at stake and she would not back down. So for the next seven months, she slept. They slept in separate rooms and ate in silence. And years later, when they're old and they're more placid, they're very careful about bringing that incident up because barely have the wounds healed and they could begin to bleed at any time as if they were only inflicted yesterday. How can a bar of soap ruin a marriage? Because there was no grace. 
because neither partner would say, stop, this is enough. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Another story is told of, a, of, of an old man who spent 30 years of his marriage sleeping down the hall from his wife. 30 years. See, a rift had opened over whether the husband had showed enough concern over their five-year-old daughter who had fallen ill. And now later, neither husband nor wife is willing to take the first step every night. He waits for her to approach her. She never appears. Every night she lies awake waiting for him. Neither make a move. Neither will break the cycle that began 30 years, 30 years before. Why? There was an absence of grace. Neither one would forgive. Last story. Daisy. Daisy was born in 1898. I'm not that old. By the way, Tom is. I'm not. Daisy was born in 1898. She was the eighth of ten children. Her father was a, a drunk and a child beater. He threw out his wife and the family was split up. Daisy left with her father. Bitterness and resentment set in. She hated her father for what he had done. Years later, now married, the father reappears, a changed man, asking forgiveness. But Daisy had vowed never to speak to her father again. The father went on, went to, to, to live with one of his other daughters, eight doors down from Daisy on the same street. Five years later, the father died, having never been seen by Daisy once during that time. Daisy also prevented her children from seeing their grandfather eight doors down the street. Daisy took out her bitterness on her own children, and so the next generation picks it up. One daughter, Margaret, passes it on to her son, Michael. Michael gets mixed up in drugs in the wrong crowd. And at 16, Margaret throws Michael out of the house with these angry words, I never want to see you again as long as I live. And so, 26 years later, no contact between mother and son. Michael goes on to mess up his life. Three relationships and a failed marriage. And his words about his ex-wife just like his mother to him, I hope I never see her again as long as I live. And so you have 100 years of unforgiveness. There was no grace. There was no grace. I need to wrap this up this morning, don't I? It's all very solemn. But it is a bit of a check on where are we? Unforgiveness changes you to your past and reproduces itself in your future. It will affect you. If that's you this morning, 
And it's amazing the number of people over the years I've met and you can, there's the problem. There's the issue. They've been hurt and they will not extend grace. They want justice. And it's a problem. What do you do? I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, and when it comes into your life, surrender it to God. Trust God with your hurts. Surrender the bitterness, the resentment, whatever it is, the hurts. Surrender them into the hands of God. Open up. Let God reach down and take that root of bitterness as only He can. Let Him fill your heart with grace. But you've got, you got to make that step. You've got to Step out and be willing. Give God the responsibility of dealing with the matter. So often we want to deal with it. So often we want to deal with stuff we've no authority to deal with. It's not your position. No, no, no. Give God the responsibility of dealing with the matter. And whether you've got wounds in your carrying, let Jesus heal those wounds. Because that's all about why Jesus came, why he went to the cross by his wounds. You've been healed. Reflect on what God has done for you. He forgives you. You receive grace. You got what you did not deserve. You did not get justice. Justice would condemn you to hell. Grace liberates you and frees you for heaven. So reflect on what he's done for you. And you make a determination in your heart that you will live the same way. You can be like Jesus as you let the grace of God by the Holy Spirit flow through your lives. Two or three scriptures on this. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give you. We know this, don't we? Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this spine. All men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Not love some people, love one another. Matthew 6, 14 to 15, 4. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Matthew 5, 44, 45. But I say to you, love your enemies. Wow. Love's an active word. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Bless. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Live a life of grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus saved me. I got what I did not deserve. And thank you, Jesus, 
for saving me. Thank you for your grace in my life. Lord, I pray for everybody here this morning. Lord, may by faith, may we get a hold of your grace in our lives. By faith, oh God, may we may see you flowing in our lives. Father, for those that have carried hurts and problems, even as Christians, I pray this morning, Lord, of this Christmas season, that, oh, Father, you would touch them and cause them to be a giver and a river of grace in the situation. I pray, Father, for healing that only you can do on the inside. I pray, Lord, you would stir us and you would touch us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I got what I did not deserve. Oh, Lord, remind me continually that I got what I did not deserve. And may I be a grace giver in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You've listened well. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.